And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Boeuf Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. A perfectly delicious dish. Oh. Uh. So we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our ham hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all set the soft grain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend themselves with the stew. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it inside. There. About two or three minutes, if you have it in the icebox, you heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then, and then you cover it and, and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now this is ready to serve. Right now. Hi, this is Binks Deep Cove, and you're listening to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network. Come and get it. Hello, and welcome to Eat It, a half podcast about food. I am Dr. Harold Pallet, MD dietitian and i am here with my co-host benedict brunch yes i came up with the brunch idea it was my family and the uh and the eggs as well first name and last name i'm gonna call you benedict kind of lunch or bb okay yeah that works too (laughs) (laughs) it's good on the monograms well today uh yeah we're going to be talking about something I'm not a big fan of. No, i just not a big fan of this topic, which is diets. It's kind of the anti-eat-it-and-beat-it topic. 
Yeah, well, you know, diet is basically the word die with the T at the end of it. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it either, but if we're going to cover all aspects of food, I think we have to cover the dreaded diet. And, and I'm going to throw this out here. You, you surprised me. We had a discussion last week where you said that you had one time lost 60 pounds on a medically uh, uh, needed diet. And, and I, you know, I've met you a handful of times. Now, I would think that you would be the type of guy that could eat, eat, eat and never gain a pound. No. No, I have to stay very active in order not to <laughs> put on weight. I would not believe that because you're thin as a rail and we hate people like you. Yeah, no, it's it's not like that at all. I mean, I, it's it's funny because the heavier me was around people a lot more than the than the than what I look like now, and I still got a little I still got a little gut on me, a little bit of a, you know, I'm I'm almost fifty, so that sort of comes with the territory. But I mean, I was 60, you know, 60 pounds heavier, which means a sack of potatoes and change glued on to my, and, and let's, let's face it, it wasn't glued onto my legs or butt or anything. It was glued right onto the front and the gut. And, um, the, the thing about that, it wasn't, that wasn't even a, like a doctor prescribed diet. That was, I got sick and I couldn't eat <laughs> for about two and a half months anything more than like a little jello you know toast without without butter on it stuff like that you know so it was basically literally the worst worst kind of diet just starvation you know but i've That's kept terrible. the weight off <laughs> yeah 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 and, and I, mean, I mean everybody knows you know the responsible thing is you know a good balanced diet and exercise that will Eating, eating a reasonable amount and a good balanced diet, and that. But that's not the diet we're talking about. We're talking about like weight loss plan. You know, I'm doing deal a meal, or was that uh, Richard Simmons deal a meal? I think deal a meal was Richard Simmons, and these type of diet plans are making a comeback now, big time. I mean, there's this. Uh, shakeology that I guess all you drink is shakes I don't know and you supplement them with a few crackers mm -hmm. and maybe a grape or two if you've had a good day and for for guys people like us that really really love food I can't imagine doing something like that I mean I guess if you if you have to lose the weight because you're you know you're sick or you're just not feeling good or you're you're sweating ragu or you're gonna die fine but it's hard. I've always loved food, and I've always had the problem that I am one of the guys that just my metabolism is slow, so I have to. I, I can't eat that stuff that I really want to eat, or if I do, I have to do it in moderation. And it, it seems to me that it, it's the guys I grew up with that could eat, 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 and never gain a pound. That it's just not fair, man. They they, they didn't love food. They didn't. They just ate just to just to eat. To me, it was deeper. And it's it's a curse, but the diet does have to come into play in a lot of people's lives, in my life especially. Well, sometimes sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of times aging catches up with those people who can eat and eat and eat and stay skinny, and then they hit middle age, and then all of a sudden they're like, "What happened to me?" <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's pretty true. Because I remember I had a friend of mine who, for lunch every day, we'd go to his house. He would open up a carton of ice cream, dump the ice cream in a bowl, 
pour chocolate and open a can of like clean peaches and pour it over that and just eat it. And he was thin as a rail. And I would just look at him and I'd say, man, George, I hope someday that catches up with you. And he'd go, nope, never will. Genetics. And I saw him about two years ago. And you know what? It caught up with him. And the first thing I said was, hey, asshole, remember those peaches and ice cream you used to eat? He's like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. They're still there. (laughs) I'm still trying to pass them. I'm still trying to pass them. But so... But a diet is something that you've never really had to go on because you wanted to, I take it then, right? No. I've never been like, I'm trying this diet or that diet. This this diet was basically when I was in the emergency room and the nurse was telling me it was my gallbladder and I said, so what can I eat? And she goes, oh, not much. Nothing rich at all with any fat or anything like that. And I had no appetite either. So it was hard to even eat anything without a lot of discomfort or anything. So it, you know, my all, all my paths to eating were blocked at that point. You know, it wasn't until I got the the gallbladder squared away that uh, as soon as that got squared away, my appetite came back like crazy. But then again, my stomach was also smaller. And we were discussing this the other day. I used to be able to eat probably three to four times as much in one sitting as I can now, you know, I would, I would, yeah, go... I noticed when you came to New York and we had our barbecues, you know, I was expecting you to like tear everything up, but you didn't, you ate, you know, a respectable amount. I you just didn't... sort of ate my way through it. But then again, and this is the, this is something that comes with cooking, with being in a restaurant and stuff. And it's a curse of it is when you're cooking and you're catching the smells of it and stuff, your trick and your tasting stuff it's tricking your body and you don't build up in the appetite that like I, I i if i was just sitting there and you guys were just cooking and i was passively not involved in it i would have just i when it was time to eat i would have been just like gong 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 but when you're cooking it it, it i don't know it quells a little bit of your your appetite you know and it, i think if you are cooking, you're, you're so engrossed in the the fact that you're cooking and tasting and you're serving and sometimes you just don't have time to eat or you're you're more – you just want to hear what everyone else thinks about the food mm-hmm. than what you think about it. And if you're a grazer too, like I am, I graze all day long or if I'm eating, I'll taste this and taste that just to make sure that it, that it, that it tastes good. And then by the time – the meal comes you know i'm not hungry anymore well i know i'm gonna get in trouble with this podcast because i also like i've i've um i i have a lot of friends who are probably listening to this but i've seen a lot of my friends go on the 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 fad diets or the the diet you know the current diet or whatever and it's just one of those things all my life i've seen them you see them come and go all the time and none of them ever stay forever. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't stay on the Atkins for the rest of your life. Right? No. Because you're basically, you're not a Jaguar. You know, you're, you're not going to just, you're not going to eat carrion forever. You, you you can't. And I had a friend that was on, this was big about two I've or three years ago. I've had a lot of friends on the Atkins diet. Oh, well, the Atkins, and then two or three years ago, the lemonade diet. Have you heard of this? I have. There's a grapefruit it, diet too that's similar. It was, 
it was a mixture of lemonade, uh, maple syrup, and you had to buy B-grade maple syrup, I believe. Lemon, lemon juice, B-grade maple syrup, and cayenne pepper. And this is what they would drink for, you know, breakfast, lunch. I think that they could suck on a lemon for dinner. I don't know what the fuck they could do. But but they were serious about this. They would, this guy would bring gallons of this stuff to work. And I just, where's the... What's the point, man? You know, if you if you don't love food, all right. But but the I love food and I love to read about it and taste it, and I just can't picture that. Yeah, I uh, you know it's weird the 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 combination of lemon and cayenne and um, the maple syrup. If you instead of maple syrup, you did honey. That's an old New England, just sort of tonic. You mix honey yeah. and vinegar, vinegar too, and and, um, and lemon and and pepper, and you take a spoonful of it every morning. Yeah, that's a liver flush. We it it's supposed to be good for your liver and flushes out your liver. What and what they say? Anything with the cayenne pepper and the lemon juice. For a while, we were doing that every day and making kombucha tea, which was a which was a popular kombucha tea diet that I just went around with. I would just drink the kombucha because it was slightly alcoholic. Yes. And and fun to make. And, you know, hippie chick gives you a little baby and you let it grow in a jar. And, and it's supposed to have great, great benefits for you. I, I liked it, but I won't buy the bottled stuff in the store. I don't think it's the same. Once it's pasteurized, I think you kill yeah, if there New, is any. Yeah, New York State, it has to be pasteurized so you don't get the real effect of it. So, uh, you know, whatever effect there is. It's been it's been killed off the live aspect of it, but, but I used to make it. Yeah, I remember the, the 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 Atkins diet, which is all carbs. And back back, I think in the seventies and the eighties was the Pritikin diet, which was what the was that about? it was the inverse of the Atkins diet. It was all carbs. Get the fuck out of here. Which is gotta like, I mean that's like the diabetes diet. <laughs> Now you got the paleo oh. is a bit big one. Yeah, yeah, that is the one that that's making its rounds now. The paleo diet. Um, I I've tried a few of them over the years. They work for a while. The only really, and it's not really a diet, is two times in my life. Um, we always joke it was the Tijuana diet, where uh, where we went over to Tijuana and, and we drank the water. <laughs> well, no, we that'll didn't lose drink you the water. some weight. We were walking around. And and this guy comes up to us, and there's three of us there. It was me, a friend of mine, her husband, and another girl. And this guy comes up and he goes, "Hey, did you guys like tacos?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I like fucking tacos." He's like, "Okay, well, how would you like six tacos for a dollar?" <laughs> Giddy up, motherfucker! You know, let's go. So he winds us through these little tents and all this stuff in some back part of Tijuana we come across a tent that said Taco Bell painted on a, a piece of wood outside the tent and we went inside and we had the beers and they were cold and then they started making these tacos just flipping this meat onto a stump and chopping it up and flipping it onto these fresh corn tortillas and three of us ate them and my one friend she goes I am not eating that I don't care I don't like the way it looks and I said well you're fucking crazy and we <laughs> ate maybe 12 tacos each of us. And man, I was working the flight on the way home and I was dying. 
I was running into the toilet every 15 minutes, and this went on for probably a good three weeks. And I must have dropped about 25 pounds, and my eyes sunk into my chest. And she thought it was the funniest thing. And we were in Denver walking around the airport, and we ran into the girl that we flew with. And I looked at her, and she looked at me, and her eyes were all sunken in. And she just looked at me and said, the tacos! <laughs> the tacos! So that was one of my... I call, I call it the Tijuana diet because that was the only time I ever lost any substantial amount of weight. Um, and my other story, I will tell you, uh, in a few, if, if you've ever lost any weight by food poison, <laughs> did you ever have an experience kind of like that before? Yeah, I had um, my father, when we were kids, my father got an omelet pan for Christmas and he made us all cheese omelets. And we got all, the whole family got a nice case of food poisoning from the cheese. <laughs> the, cheese the kind they, of they were they were probably eggs right from the chickens out in our chicken coop, and we probably didn't wash the my father probably didn't wash the eggs off enough, and you get a little salmonella off the shells. And I am a firm believer. I think that the worst food poisoning that you can get is from eggs. I I had a duck egg one time. I like duck eggs, and I get them every once in a while at the Chinese market. Made an omelet, and it was, I wanted to die. Coming out of both ends, man. It was not a pretty sight. It, it, it's awful, 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 awful. We had one bathroom in this house, and the whole family oh. was fighting for it the whole for, for two or three I days. I, I have not had a cheese omelet since. <laughs> well, years ago, we decided we were going to go on a fast. Now, I don't know. Do you have any views on fasting? I've known lots of people who've done it for either health reasons or it's been part of their religious training, you know, or, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. I'm not a big, it's not for me. <laughs> well, I didn't think it was for me. We, we were just wanted to try something and we had read a magazine, an article in a magazine about this place in Thailand, the island of Kasamui, where it was a little resort and you go to this resort and you fast for 10 days but you're fasting in paradise you know so we did a little research you had to give yourself two colonics every day one in the morning and night and we did this trek from new york to thailand and a boat out to this island and it was gorgeous but the food is incredible over there and we weren't able to eat but we were at this beachfront little resort we had little cabanas that we that we stayed in first thing you do every morning was you'd get up and you would go into the little the room where you had your colonic and it was a big bucket of hot water, coffee, hot water and coffee. And you would insert that into the old behind, take as much as you could and expel it. And all day long you were jittery from the coffee and the coffee was fine. It was pounding the milk and sugar up my ass after that. It was a little bit more difficult, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you would do that twice a day and after you got out of there, you'd, you'd clean up and you'd go have a, a cup of tea or or a um, or a vegetable broth and then drink the, the psyllium husk with fruit juice and benzenite clay that would kind of clump up and just push all of the stuff out of your system. And after the, you know, after the first two days were bad, but after the third day, you know, I wasn't hungry anymore. And it became like a ritual. We would do this every morning and... I think I lost about 10 pounds, it was 10 days or so, 
and my eyes got incredibly white and all, all the toxins my I broke out and all for a day and then all of my, my, my complexion got clear and man I started to get all this energy and it was crazy it was I just sat in a hammock all day long and, and read and it was really nice no the colonics weren't that nice but but everything else they called it fecal plaque some guys were really into it they would just come running out and say hey look what I expelled today yeah, yeah. Just... it becomes but, a way of life for some people <laughs> no I, I wouldn't do it again but it was an interesting experience and the day that we broke the fast we still had two days in Thailand and they said well make sure that you break just a little bit of lettuce and some fruit fuck that we went to the city and had street food and we, we had everything and no no ill effects but uh, I did walk out of there 10 pounds lighter, and I really did feel great. So I, I think I, I would I would fast again, or do a juice fast, or maybe two or three days, if I if if it ever felt like I wanted to do it, which I don't. But I I, I think that that it, it, fasting for a couple of days is probably the only diet that I would do. Not totally not eating, but juicing and stuff like that. I would probably do just to just to try and clean the old body out. Now, you ever heard of uh, breatharianism? Absolutely not. I'm looking forward to it. Hit me with it. <laughs> breatharianism is is probably the ultimate diet, seeing as how you don't eat, period. It is a religion. Okay. It's been around for a while. There's been Buddhists and Sufis that have that have practiced it, although not in that name. It got the name in the you know, in the last century or so of breatharianism. And the, the breatharians posit that your body has many ways of taking in energy. Food is one crude and inefficient way of doing it. And if you get your body and mind in the right, in the right place and get to a place where there's, no, uh, you know, sufficiently, is sufficiently free of pollution and bad vibes, you can get all your nutrition from the air and the sun by absorbing energy and uh, and breathing the air. Well, that type of, of talk actually goes back to the biblical times where some of the saints were said to live in caves for 30 years, eating nothing but celestial foods, which mm -hmm. were never really talked about. But manna they were type just of stuff. Yeah, manna from heaven and celestial foods where you were just being you were being sustained by, you know, whatever the Holy Spirit or whatever, uh, whatever very, you could absorb. Very similar to breatharianism. One of the big proponents yeah. was this guy named Wiley Brooks, and uh, he's he still alive. Was, is he the one that's always chasing the Roadrunner? He's v v very, built very much like the coyote. He's a scrawny, <laughs> he's a scrawny African American fella, very well spoken obviously a character because he always ends up divorced and living alone and is just like I have too much energy for other people to live with me it's like okay dude <laughs> but he was in the 70s he he like I think he got Dick Dick Gregory the comedian politician into breatharianism and uh, you know I, I think he, he sort of got a lot of publicity he would be on like you know the Dick Cavett show or, or you know being interviewed very serious fellow but 
I think is the big downfall for him was he was caught coming out of uh, McDonald's with a Diet Coke and some cheeseburgers. But yeah. realistically, you're going to have to eat at some point, right? Are well, you he saying... says he eats once in a while, and sometimes you also have to eat some crap food because crap food is a is a is part of you know the reality of today so you want to absorb some of that reality and then he also came up with that some junk food is actually very very good for you and he called it sd food i don't know what sd stood for but diet coke and mcdonald's cheeseburgers are are or 5d food that's what he called it are, are 5d five dimensional food and are actually you know super super good for you so there's some junk wow. food that's SD food. Well, I have a friend of mine that his whole philosophy on eating, I don't know where he picked this up, but he says he will not eat anything that his great-grandparents would not recognize as food, which I started thinking about, and I started to, to see what I was eating that day, and I wouldn't be able to eat half of the things that I would was eating because you know Doritos for one thing my great-grandparents would not know what the hell a Dorito is or basically anything from Taco Bell a Chalupa or, or something like that and that was his whole philosophy and he said if it's not a color found in nature and if my great-grandparents would not recognize it as something it's, to eat it's kind of a I more won't. modern version of the paleo diet sounds like yeah yeah, yeah, it, it is, you know, which which takes away a lot of a lot of uh, fun things, but it, it's kind of a solid philosophy that if you're going to have to go on a diet, I, I don't think I think you can do a lot worse than not eating foods that you know. Your yeah, but are you living the sheer calorie burning life <laughs> that your grandparents lived? You know what I mean? I mean, like you know, let's there were a lot more farmers and people doing heavy work in those days. And I've worked on a farm. The the breakfast that you eat on a farm is like one of the most obscene things in the world. But once you started working on a farm for a while, you eat that breakfast easily, and then you're coming back for a huge lunch, you know? Very true. I, I used to go, uh, my family used to make wine. Every, every October I would go, and we would pick grapes. We'd pick grapes all day long. And then they would bring out this this picnic lunch, and it was just obscene amounts of food. And damn it, I was just the hungriest, and the food tasted – it was the best-tasting food I've ever tasted in my life because I had been working so hard doing that type of work. So you're right. There's something about what our ancestors did, and they, they could consume that. And you know, breakfast was mo the most important meal of the day and because you were going to go out and you were going to work all day. Mm-hmm. You had to be well fed, and I don't think that they ever heard of anything. They probably didn't need diets a hundred years ago, be, just because you're more active today. I, you know, you go to Target and I'm fucking wiped for the day. That's it. My day's shot. And you're right, absolutely a perfect point. Well, we're surrounded by food everywhere we go now. I mean, you go to the, the, the grocery. We have grocery stores full of food. You go to get gas, and the gas station's full of food. I would say like three quarters of a gas station on the inside is food, and then you know you go, pretty much you go to a big box store like Walmart or Kmart, and they're grocery stores too. You know, everywhere you go, there's sort of there's some food sitting there. You know, 
It's it's different than it used to be. Yeah, we're not hunter gatherers. Let's go back to being hunter gatherers. I have a few friends who are of that philosophy. <laughs> really, I'd love having a drink with those guys. Or it might be too much work if you had to hunt down a beer, but yeah, they they well they they're pretty good at hunting and gathering beers. I'll I'll say that too. The the beers that are out in the wild. But yeah, there's many, many philosophies on diets. That is for sure. Do you remember the Fletcher? It was like the Fletcher plan or like the Fletcherizing diet. This was, I remember like some kids whose parents were doing this and the kids would do it in school. And that was where you had to chew everything a hundred times before you swallowed it. Absolutely right. Me and my, my friends and I, when I first got to New York, I read about that and we decided to try and do it. And it's really just kind of crazy. It takes it a takes long a time to eat. hundred. It takes a long time. There's nothing left of it, basically. You don't even have to swallow it. It disappears by itself. Yep. And, and supposedly that diet was supposed to make sure your poop didn't stink, too. Oh, well, you know, eating don't... and going to the bathroom are two of the greatest pleasures in life. Yeah. So who the hell would do that? I have no time for chewing a hundred times. I'd rather have my poop stink anyway. I'd rather have my poop stink, and I'd rather have be able to unhinge my jaw like a python to eat than <laughs> chew a hundred times. Because frankly, it's more interesting to watch them down a gazelle than to watch some horse chew his cud a hundred times. My, I think my favorite diet was in 1925. Lucky Strike introduced a cigarette diet. Oh my God! Yeah. Did you, did you eat the cigarette? Or no, you just smoke them regularly. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. They will. They, they definitely. If you've ever known any smokers that have quit smoking, they usually pack on ten or fifteen pounds or more. Yeah. Well, that's right up there with the heroin diet. That's one way to lose a lot of weight fast. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look up the Lucky Strike diet because because that sounds pretty damn good. Uh, you know what? I would have to supplement that with a cup of black coffee in the morning, for sure. Lots of people are on the Starbucks diet these days, for sure. Oh, God, because you go to Starbucks and all you can afford to do is buy coffee. That's also, like, uh, st- actually, if you combine Starbucks and cigarettes, there you go. Ah, Starbucks isn't even coffee. It's milkshakes <laughs> now, for God's sakes. <laughs> and food. And food, yeah, and food. Everywhere you go. I don't, I don't drink Starbucks. Yep, twenty. For that reason, we have a sub place in uh, in the town where I where I work, and I go there every once in a while for a sub. And they have uh, uh, pictures on the wall of it's in the place that used to be the original like five and ten cent store and um, butcher shop for the town. So they have all these pictures of the spaces it originally was, and you can see all the products on the wall and the food there, and and how different you know it was because they just didn't have the preserved food and the you know the processed food. Everything was raw materials or you know very short shelf life. You have to remember, people mostly bought what they were going to consume that day. Yeah, you go out to your butcher and you would pick out what you're going to have for dinner, and you would go out, you know, to the produce market and get what you were going to have for your size, and and go to the general store to buy, you know, what you're going to eat that day. Now you're going to go to Costco and you're going to buy 
food for a month and freeze it and the grocery store and it, it's you know it, it was a different a different philosophy and some tells me that maybe sometime in the future we're going to be going back to to eating like that you well know? i have a feeling there's way more people on diets now there's way more people with houses stocked packed full of food <laughs> yeah. on diets <laughs> Definitely, definitely. I think that we would probably do very well to go back and learn the ways of some of the uh, of the ancestors, and it would probably be better for it. Yeah, yeah. Because I never heard my parents talk about diets ever. No, mine either. They were too busy saving tinfoil and rolling string into balls and chewing on leather because they grew up in the depression and they didn't have any goddamn food. <laughs> Everybody was on a diet. Yes, yeah. They, they. I think they dieted enough by that point. Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> saying, "Go on a diet, Grandpa"? Uh, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Well, someday. <laughs> well, someday we'll have Scott McGregor on here. His mom was is a child of the Depression, and uh, boy, oh boy, she could make some food. Let me tell you, she she definitely once she was off her enforced diet, she was done forever. Oh, God, I would love to hear those stories. Yeah, Scott's definitely a guy we have to have on. So, and, I don't know. I mean, I could just keep li li listing off other diet. There's liquid diets, diet pills, macrobiotics, raw there's, food. Uh, there's a lot, but we the have baby food other, diet. We have other, other uh, bases to cover here. And um, if you're feeling a little soft around the middle... Uh, this would be a good transition to our next portion of the show. Yes, and maybe you might want to get out there and exercise your core. Or have a colonic, or smoke something from your back end, which we'll get into <laughs> later. That reminds me of one of my favorite short verses I've ever written. Please do tell. Um, it's about time for a high colonic. It certainly is my grizzly tonic. The end. <laughs> You, you definitely have a future in haikus, my friend. <laughs> very, very, very good. You could, you could have, you could form a, you should have been in a cult with something like that. You could have been one of the Bhagwan Sri Rajneeshis. It's with, never with too philosophy. late. It's never too late. We'll work on it, man. Start that back up, man. That, that, I'm sure that they probably grew their own food. <laughs> you know? No, they had discos that they had orgies in. That was that. The kind they. <laughs> They had they had chefs making steaks for them. That's what the the Rajneeshis did. They were they were the they were the seventies decadent uh, religion. Yeah, they were they were not depriving themselves out in Rajneeshi land. No, but, hey man, and you know there's probably a show in there somewhere. Where yeah, we have I was to just gonna well. say, we we, the, we might have the, to get into some more more of the sex cults in the. In the future, the free sex guru, man. Have you ever read the book called My Life in Orange? Um, I can recommend it. I think you'd love it. It's all about the uh, the Bhagwan Sri Rajneeshis, oh, man. Oh yes, I've I've met some of I've met some. Oh, okay. We we have to save that because I really really want to get into that on another episode. <laughs> I've been fascinated with with the Bhagwan, man. So, uh, all right. Well, we'll be back with some soft pour corn in just a second. That's the way we all became the Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch, the Brady Bunch. 
That's the way we became the Brady Bunch. Oh yeah! Aw oh, man, don't you just love singing along to your favorite TV show theme songs? I know I do, but you know what really pisses me off? When I go to sing a TV theme song, and those lazy bastards haven't even written words for it. Well, I fixed that. Since my last album, Chris sings the shit out of classic movie themes, sold more copies than Elvis, The Beatles, and Boxcar Willie combined, I've decided to crap out a brand new collection. Chris sings the shit out of TV theme songs. Want to kick that party into high gear? Oscar is a slob. Felix is anal retentive. They argue all the time. But in the end, it's live and let live. Hey, I think the Felix is gay. Okay, moving hey, on. Here's a ditty that needed a little blah, blah, blah to liven it up. Oh, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? Oh, what the fuck was that? Whoa, they said no one could write words to this one, but nothing is impossible for Chris Honeywell. You can't do it, but we'll do it. You can't do it, oh, we'll do it. You can't do it, but we'll do it. Here's a job, listen up. Because it's tape, will self-destruct. Hey, hey, everyone loves cartoons and everyone loves Star Trek, right? It's Star Trek, but it's not quite there. The music's got a note off somewhere. Ah, but it's Star Trek on a ghetto budget. They're trying not to fudge it. But they'll Harry mud it. They don't want to sabotage the show. And you know me, I never neglect the oldies. He was traumatized by the cops. He taught Norman Bates all his chops. He talks with a mouthful of mush. It's your buddy Alfred Hitchcock. And listen as I knock my front teeth out and get into a country mood. Well, now take down your fishing pole and meet me at the fishing hole. You might not. Get about all day, but don't you rush away. What a great place to rest your bones. That's right. Remember what your mama said. Don't be boring and pathetic. Pick up Chris Sings the Shit Out of TV theme songs. Chris Sings the Shit Out of TV theme songs is available in scintillating Demonzophonic stereo and is available in all fine stores that carry Demonzophonic product and a gas station off the New Jersey Turnpike. $11.99 Void in Canada. Hello and welcome to Beat It, the half podcast on porn and smut. I am your host, Old Horny Bastard, and I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Peter Panaloon. That's my French. Well, this because is... we can sound like Pepe Le Pew, which is where all French people should sound like, so... Well, we were trying to figure out what should we pair up with diets and what would be perfect for that, but I guess softcore porn. Yep, because I think about diets mostly when I'm feeling a little soft in the middle, you know. 
and they are and they're and they're just sort of a, a little bit of denial of something which is what oh. i think softcore porn is by definition it's a a- it's a pulled absolutely. punch softcore porn was what was available on the playboy channel uh you know late at night Skinamax. oh yeah uh the night showtime shows and uh our movie today is a soft corn plastic soft corn <laughs> soft porn plastic classic 1974's emmanuel and it's the first film by director just jacquin and it's considered probably would you say it it, it brought in soft core porn yeah i think it just was one of the first hugely successful classy softcore movies you know that wasn't a, a trashy exploitation movie or anything like that it got it, it 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 i mean it made lots of money it was maybe sort of the beginning of the true like quote unquote couples film you know that you could take your take your wife to see and it wasn't just like gynecological close-ups it had some it had yeah, story exactly. and romance and um quote unquote ideas in it well i had never seen it before and um as your padawan i have definitely watched it and i'll for those of you that haven't seen it here's a quick little rundown of the uh synopsis of emmanuel it was the first movie by josh joaquin who was a photographer and uh you know, it was the first uh, in a bunch of French softcore pornography films, and it stars Sylvia Christelle as Emmanuel, who is by far, I think, of all the movies that I have watched since we've been doing this show, the most attractive woman that I have seen. Um, Emmanuel goes. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely the best actress. I mean, Emmanuel goes to Bangkok to meet her diplomat husband. Jean, uh, Jean, played by Danielle Starkey, and she's bored, and she starts hanging around with all of the other diplomats' wives, and meets Marie Ange, and Marie Ange is troubled. She's forty miles a bad road, and Marie Ange just is infatuated with Emmanuel, and. Marie Ange goes over to Emmanuel's house and she proceeds to sit in a wonderful hanging chair and masturbate to uh, in front of a magazine that has a picture of Paul Newman looking right at the deed, which was which is kind of funny. He, uh, you see a lot of the magazines uh, in this movie. There's a little magazine theme with 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 it, very is, um, purposely placed pictures in the magazine to the scene. Yep. Exactly, that was his thing, and and this experience begins Emmanuel's journey into her sexual discovery. Now Marie Ange introduces her to an older man named Mario, um, and she says, you know, you should go out with this guy because he will teach you things about sexuality that that you know you're still basically a child, and and Mario is going to teach you everything you need to know. But she has no eyes for Mario. He's an older guy. She falls in love with a French archaeologist woman by the name of B. 
and she is not like your aunt B. That's for damn sure. I'm not even sure what kind of an archaeologist she is because uh, the only real exploring they do is each other, and they run they run off together. And her job is apparently to explore a modern apartment building that is getting made. And through all this, her husband, who is really mad because Emmanuel left, even though he just keeps telling her that she is too beautiful for him and she belongs to the world and and she has no trouble with her sleeping around, goes crazy and takes out his anger against Emmanuel's squash partner by just banging the hell out of her. And 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 Emmanuel finally comes back and she goes out with Mario and what has to be the worst first date in the history of first dates because Mario starts her out at a, a dinner club and then Mario takes her of all places to an opium den where this is usually where it would be last date <laughs> exactly no but it's the first date the worst first date it's not even over yet takes her to an opium den and then decides to take her to a Thai no bar kickboxing match where the winner is going to get to take Emmanuel and the winner does take Emmanuel. And after this, I couldn't help but like feel that that he was like a Jedi, but the worst Jedi ever, trying to tell Emmanuel how to yeah. how to broaden her sexual horizons. And it, the movie basically wraps up with Emmanuel going back to his house, ready to have sex with the old man. But the old man says no. You are not ready. I don't want the child. I want to have sex with the next Emmanuel. So Emmanuel puts on clown makeup and a Liberace bolo and sits in a chair, stares at the camera, and I guess she has moved on to full, full uh, womanhood. That's how the movie ends. And in a nutshell, there's a lot to talk about here in Emmanuel. Well, you you didn't mention what are your that, that, that their opium den date ends with him just basically arranging for her to be raped by two uh, men. The movie is quite rapey, to be to be honest with you. Yes. There's there's a lot of, of, of rape going on in the movie, uh, not only with his squash partner, but like you mentioned, in the opium den. And, of course, at the end of the tie fight... Uh, probably the most disturbing scene there, and and they had a lot of trouble, from what I've read, you know, getting permission to film in Thailand, and they basically had to lie and say, you know, we're not going to do this. This is a family movie, and they just pretty much went ahead and did what they were going to do. And the Thai actors that in the rape scene were not actors; they were real, you know, Thai kickboxers. So uh, she said that she was actually kind of afraid during that scene. The actress was but not such very, yeah, she was not very happy with that that section of the film, uh, filming it. No, absolutely <laughs> not. But it is, from all of the other movies that we've seen, uh, it definitely was, despite the, the, with the exception of the rapey stuff, I think that it was a, um, definitely is probably uh what you think of when you think of soft porn yeah that's why i picked this one i mean there's there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of softcore porn there's literally as much of it as probably there is hardcore porn you know made to fill up like the playboy channel and movies like the bear witch or like or um almost any bo Derek movie after a certain point in time 
Pia Zadora, The Lonely Lady, uh, like modern uh, showgirls is another one, uh, Fifty yeah. Shades of Grey and the new Fifty Shades of Grey, you know, that sort of thing. But I just picture Emmanuel was that one that sort of was the breakthrough, and I think it had a lot to do with Roger Ebert. That's how I heard of it. With, as a kid, I saw Roger Ebert do a review of it, and it showed most of the scene on the airplane and he was just like, you know, this movie is hot. And to, as, as a, you know, 14, 13, 12 year old or whatever, however old, it's somewhere between like probably, you know, 10 and 12, 13 years old is when, when um, he, he did that review. It wasn't when the movie came out. He was just talking about movies that people hadn't heard of that they should see. And um, and I remember thinking, ooh, that was really hot, and it became sort of a holy grail. I wanted to see that movie, and when finally, you know, my friends started getting HBO, you know, one night we were over at friend Todd Riley's house, and Emmanuel was on, and we were just like, let's do this. We're watching this. You know, it's supposed to be a classic. And I gotta say, at the time, it kind of bored us because there was a lot of there's a lot of talking in it. You know, there is a lot of talking, and you know the, the whole airplane scene that you were talking about. I should, it goes on when uh, Marie uh, is is uh, masturbating in front of Emmanuel, and she goes back and she remembers the time when she had sex with two people on an airplane, and and not only just one, but she's walking around barefoot too on the plane, which is gross, which is something you never do. See, not only the first time she has sex, she does a lot of walking around barefoot in this movie. Yes, she does. And apparently any time in Thailand is a great time to just take off your blouse. Wherever you're at, it doesn't yeah. matter. And they, they do it once right on the chairs, you know, on your seat on the airplane, with everyone just looking at them going, whoa, that is unusual, of <laughs> all things, but this is France. And, you know, they do it right there. And then the next time they class it up a bit by doing it in the bathroom, which is like no bathroom. the guy even carries seen. her over the threshold like a gro groom or something. <laughs> takes her to the bathroom because Emmanuel, you aren't wearing any shoes. This floor is filthy. Let me take you to the only clean space on the plane, the bathroom. Yes. Sure, I will make sweet love to you, Shetty. But, but yeah. <laughs> Let's I rub guess... our mucous membranes together in a perfectly clean <laughs> manner. Well, it's a it's a rather hodgepodge type of movie. I would think that that. Plot-wise, it's kind of all over the place. If you can say it's a thinly veiled plot where you're saying that Emmanuel wants to explore her sexual horizons and and that she can still considers herself an animal, uh, she puts it, and she wants to reach that next plateau. And and you're starting to watch it and you go, okay, maybe that's where they're going. But then, you know, her jealous husband goes to a Thai go-go bar where the Thai girls are dancing. And a Thai girl is just smoking a cigarette out of her ass, which is oh, I always amazing. I always figured it was her vagina. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. She lit it. She had it, of course. She had it. That's where she keeps her cigarettes was in her ass. And she did, she did smoke out of her <laughs> vagina. I mean, how stupid of me, of course. She was actually very no, good. At well, I mean, actually, the way they filmed it, it could be either. I just hadn't thought of that. It could have been her ass, no, too. No, no, no. It was definitely the vagina. I've, I've had friends that were in Thailand, and they once saw a... Um, the girl gave a friend of mine a, a balloon. That she'd blown to up? Hold. No, she shot a dart at it. And ah. popped it. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've heard of ping pong balls before. 
Yeah, with the ping pong balls, yeah, but to shoot a dart out, I mean, they were very nimble people, mm-hmm. the type. And and, uh, and and you go through a scene like that, and you're like, what the hell is this? And, and, and of course, uh, that scene was not, if you're looking to... to uh, to what Emmanuel or the actress says that that film that scene she had no idea that scene was going to be in the movie you know and the director you know, it, claims he didn't film it the director's like I that just yeah. ended up in the movie <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know I I always have sometimes I think I would rather watch a movie with subtitles than than um, dubbed than to be dubbed how do you how do you feel about the whole dubbing I have no problem with subtitles um at all especially uh, dub, dubbing dubbing is always annoying to me if it's done okay after about 10 minutes i sort of just get into the flow of it and you know you get used to all the the voice actors and stuff and it's okay but i'd always rather read i'd always rather hear it in its original language with subtitles because because it it feels natu- more natural that way, you know. Even yes. though you're listening to someone speak a different language, when you're reading the text at the same time, yeah. after a while, it just sort of you get in the flow of that. And moaning and moaning can be pretty much written in any language, right? So you're going to read it the same. And there's a lot of that that's going on in Emmanuel. That's for sure. But but you couldn't pick a. a it's a beautiful place to film. I mean. I've been to Thailand, and it's 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 really pretty for the most part. There's a lot of pretty shots in this, but there's a lot of freaky stuff too. Where you know the whole getting trapped in the car by the beggars and cutting off a chicken's head, and, and it's it's very French, I guess. I, I don't know if he went on to direct any other movies after this. I know there's like a, there's a lot of sequels to Emmanuel. Oh yeah, there's like Emmanuel in space. Five now or something yeah, like that. Also, Black Emmanuel, which yep. I haven't seen yet, and it goes on and on and on. But uh, I guess there, I believe that the same actress stars in the in the sequel, if I'm not mistaken. And if I, I think I read that they go to China or something, Hong Kong, or I'm not sure where they filmed the the, uh, the second Emmanuel. But you know, it it was a at points can be it was kind of a pretty movie at at points but at other times was very garden of edenish kind of uh they tried i think they tried to to work that angle a lot especially where the uh the thai servants were watching them have sex and then they run off into the garden and then it borderline turns into rape it gets more rapey sex yeah it's rapey again it's a very rapey movie i I, I know there was i found out yesterday there was an earlier version of this in 1969 with a lot less sex in it. It's a. It's based on a, a book. Yeah, a romance novel, right? Well, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was a. It was a erotic novel, and it was probably like a French erotic novel with a lot of philosophy in it. And I have the adaptation of it actually in three volumes, the comic book adaptation. Yeah, I was looking for that. I couldn't find that anywhere. I'm gonna need to get what that's called. I would be Lido interested. And uh, I think it was erotica comics or erotic comics or something. It was during the '90s when they were when the indie comics were huge, and it's a three-volume, you know, three graphic novel set adaptation. 
I thought of the movie, but then I started reading the introduction to it, and it's like, okay, this is an adaptation of the book. So it has a lot, there's a lot more in there, and it's a lot more, dev- her, her, um, oh, what was the older uh, gentleman's name? Uh, Mario. Was Mario. Her, her relationship with Mario is a lot more developed and a lot more complex and Mario, Mario isn't as much of an asshole as he is in the movie. In the movie, I mean, the men in the movie are basically a bunch of dicks. The ones that have speaking roles, like her husband and Mario, are two just like self-serving, manipulative pervs. Basically, is they what are. they are. They, Mario, and- Mario's whole philosophy is he's like he's like a you know he's trying to teach he's a her this jaded whole old new. Perv. <laughs> yeah, he says that sex should not be done with couples, that you need three people to have sex, you know, and just a bunch. I mean, you have the background in film that I don't. I would like to hear your take on what kind of what they were going for. I think they were they... through that stuff in there to make it uh, to make it like, oh, we have philosophy in here. And the writer was very bad. So what? Well, you know, the, the director was a photographer, so he was definitely an artist. So you know that yes. he had the photography had beautiful in it. Yeah, exactly. But the story, story-wise, it's well. It, once again, it's 1974. So then, a lot of the, the the stuff that they're talking in this, to me, these days, sounds like lines of shit. It sounds yeah, like a, a, exactly. a sociopath or a narcissist passing out a line of shit to a, a woman so he can sexually manipulate her and 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 it also makes sense because you know his the husband can't walk the, the walk he can only talk the talk once she's like all right i'm gonna go out and start doing whatever i want he's not into it no absolutely but not. it's all just sort of covered on the surface and mario there's there's like three or four sequences of mario just talking shit and you oh, uh, you need absolutely. a third person and it and I don't know if he actually means there physically needs to be third person or there's another oh. psyche created or there's some sort of extra layer of perviness added to it. But he's just an, he's just an old guy. He probably can't even get it up because he keeps refusing to have sex with yeah, her. That's, why, that's and, why he didn't have sex with her. I cannot have sex with you because Le Pipi does not stand the potential. Le Pipi is, is sad and <laughs> cries. I'm, eight, I'm 82 years old. <laughs> Just touch me, feed me soup. Yeah. You know, and and that was. I'm glad that you said that because I was getting the. Because you know, he was really a dick. I mean, yeah. Uh, pretty. If you if you whore me out to the winner of a Thai kickboxing uh, match and or to and just I, two right? random guy, two random yeah. Thai guys in an opium den, that's not yeah. safe sex. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna drive home with you in a car. The day, and I'm not gonna be happy. She was perfectly happy on the ride no, home. The, no, after it. after the first time that he had the two guys rape her, they were cuddled up in a in a in a gondola together, going through the river. And she's like, "Let's have sex right now." And he's like, "No, no, I have to humiliate you again before we do that, and then dress you up in my wife's dress or something, you know, like that." We'll That's why when like- he was like, "No, you have to be someone else," I was thinking. My dead wife. <laughs> Here's her dress. <laughs> Which would have been a better ending. I think that... Well, the, the ending was right... That should have been the midpoint of the movie. And then after that should have been, in my opinion, Emmanuel actually being, like, transcending both 
him Mario and her husband and and telling both of them to fuck off and then going off and having sex with whoever she wanted to <laughs> and doing yeah. whatever she wanted and that would have been the great thing but it was this weird persona personality thing going on it reminded me of student films <laughs> she dressed like Liberace and yeah. sat down in a chair and that's how it that's how it ended that that's how it ended and and with actresses like that with 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 women who who have that sort of body type and facial type the more makeup you put on them the worse they look oh she, yeah she was Absolutely. one of those on natural 70s women that it's like you don't put makeup on them or whatever you don't even have to shave them if you really don't want to they just they just have that sort of look you're 100% right because if you watch the movie you're going to see the scene at the end where she puts this ridiculous purple makeup over her eyes <laughs> and she goes and she goes from being this stunningly beautiful french gal to divine in a second <laughs> yes. the way that she looked and I was like and, some and, girl going out to studio 54 in 1977 or something yeah, it was it was it was terrible i would have liked to have hear, heard her her true voice because one of the things that she said was she really wanted to dub her own voice because she spoke perfect english from what i understand and she really wanted to use her own voice for the film but it wouldn't have worked with all the other voices that were going on yes. around her sure to have a sweet little french voice there but uh yeah it, all in all it was a uh, i don't want to say train wreck because there was some it, parts it, that it, i did like to see it's awesome seeing it in the framework of our modern mores of because uh, like that the kickboxing scene was supposed to be brutally violent and i was watching it going this is like a good-natured match you know this yeah. is like one one hundredth the 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 cringe factor of say like an episode of jackass <laughs> You know, but that was supposed to be like shockingly brutal, and then the winner takes her doggy style, you know, and and so it's kind of quaint in how and it's like what it thought was edginess at the same time, but I think like that's what passed. I think that was like that movie had more of a statement of like female empowerment than anything else you would have gotten at that time. So yeah, it might so have felt like a feminist movie at the time, and but now that you're watching it, it's like, oh, they're just taking, you know, they're just figuring out different ways to get this girl to do whatever, <laughs> whatever they want, you know. So basically, if we were to go back to 1974 and watch it in the eyes of someone from that generation, you know, do you think that we would have a different message, a different take on it than we would watching it today? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think we would have taken it a lot more seriously and been like, wow, this movie really, like, combines some serious philosophy and eroticism together, and, you know, this the, she's really pushing the boundaries of female characters and stuff like that back then. And nowadays it's just like, oh. <laughs> it, it was, it, I think that it was erotic, and I, I think that sometimes... When you see a softcore porn film, sometimes it can be almost a little more erotic than the hardcore stuff at times if it's if it's done right. You know, right. they're two it's, different. In this movie, it's all work, about you know? her. She's not only yeah. she don't not only very pretty, but when she's, um, I'm trying to think of 
the, there's a there's a scene where she's making out with May, yeah. and May is supposed to be you know way more hardened you know definitely more cynical yeah. than her, yeah, more May's of a walking. more of a cynical free spirit, but you could tell the actress who played May was like all right I'm gonna kiss this lady and I'm okay with being naked with her but it's not you know, she it was just something she was doing. And it was not something she was into, whereas Sylvia Cristal is a is a natural. She was acting, you know. She she was the character, and she was really into May, you know. And yeah. And any sex scene, she approached it with that she was not self conscious about being naked, and she was not self conscious about acting sexual. And uh, and since it wasn't you know hardcore sex, a lot of it had to be done with kissing and touching and camera angles and stuff. And she was a natural for it, you know. She and uh, yeah, I, I I think you know the the the, the I, I think it's funny because I think like the guys in the movie, I think the guys that were making the movie were thinking that what the the stuff that they were doing was probably more important than her, but. <laughs> It's all about her. I mean, she's the name of the movie, and it's it's she's what brings it to yeah. life. The photography and stuff is nice, and that contributes to it. But she's the centerpiece of of that movie. She's the takeaway of it. Yeah, they had a lot. They had a lot of little uh, little gimmicks, like the magazine gimmicks that that was used at least twice that I could that I could see. Uh, you know, they would have a camera angle and a magazine, like one of Paul Newman, just staring right, smiling, at smiling, and and the other one was uh, was a magazine when when one of the one of the girls was getting raped, and I believe the headline was you know we're coming to help you or something like that. Yes, and 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 she was getting you know she wasn't I mean it was rapey it was, you know she was getting raped for the first two seconds and then she was fine with it which is ridiculous but that was but, also uh, yeah. something that was very 1974 <laughs> that's there were a lot of yeah, biker movies with that, that where the men were raping women and then two minutes into you know 30 seconds into it you see their arms wrap around their <laughs> backs just like has never happened ever in real life Oh yeah, well, like the scene in Taboo, which we covered, where, where come yes. on, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Okay, don't stop it. Yeah, yeah, that even yeah, had it... an extra layer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it just, uh, it. The only problem that I had with it was that it just tried just too hard to push the whole metaphysical uh, thing. But like we were saying, that was probably a big thing back then. And I think that I probably lost a lot by not seeing it in its original French. I would have loved to have heard what Emmanuel sounded like, what her real voice uh, sounded like. There's got to be versions of it out there. I've seen versions of it out there, but I've never oh, seen sure. any with subtitles on them. Yeah, there's too much more to explore. Right. <laughs> but... But I do hope that, that she... I didn't see uh, if she had popped up in any other films. Um, I think she's only in the second one, but I think she's done other films also. I should it, have seen what she's doing right now. That would have been interesting to look into. Uh, she's probably doing conventions and stuff like that. <laughs> Science, 
signing. She's got the, she's gonna be at Comic Con next month. The Kay Parker, the actress from Taboo, does conventions. Right. Well, the, I mean, there's porn conventions just like comic book conventions that oh, sure. are filled with sure. you know all the people selling the latest wares and then all the actors and actresses from the past, present, and future. <laughs> and, and a bunch of. I loved all your work. Yeah, it's it's basically sort of like a comic convention just like turned up to 11. Uh, Can you imagine sitting for an autograph session with the lines, would you sign my beta tape, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. having to pose with these really sweaty guys that you know have masturbated 8,000 times to, you know. They've got their tape that's been worn out, you know. Their penises are like rubbed off like parts of a bronze statue that yeah, has been touched. Yeah, they're just like the nub there. of a pencil in third grade when you get down <laughs> to the end of it. <laughs> I've evolved past masturbating. <laughs> I, I, I just ejaculate now when I just look at pictures. I don't even need to touch it anymore. It knows. They're like the guild navigators in, in <laughs> Dune. They've just seen so much porn that they've evolved into this other creature that could fold time and space so they can masturbate longer (laughs) first their lips turn red and then after a while they become these extra dimensional beings oh yeah yeah i i agree just like mario said you know just like mario was right after all these years mario really was right that in order to reach that dimension that he's talking about, you have to spend your entire life in the basement in sweatpants watching porn. <laughs> and that's and basically, that's when I see a guy like Mario. He dresses up in his suit because he's got a big date with Emmanuel, but I bet you the rest of his time is in the sweatpants. Fuck Mario. Yeah, He exactly. was an asshole. He's he the worst part of the movie. Yep. He was absolutely the worst part of the movie. I would never take my date to a to a Thai boxing match and, and whore her out. I would I would definitely take her to a spin the bottle contest or something. I mean, come on, have some class, have some class. And he wasn't even an attractive old man. He wasn't even like a George Clooney esque looking guy. He he looked like looked like a wino dressed in a suit, some French wino they took from the damn. Yes, yep. It suit. was it was hey, very unfortunate. I got we gotta dig you up a copy of the comic because it's a totally oh, I love all the characters are Emmanuel has in the comic book I don't know how true it is to the book I'm imagining it's probably more true to the book because they have more space to to do it out and Guido Crapex does a really good job of stuff that he does but she has a lot more agency in the graphic novel than she does in the movie you know she has a lot more going on mentally and is a lot more developed character she's not just sort of being bounced along by the the men in her life well well then in closing would you say that emmanuel is a movie that that you should see if you are trying to explore the history of uh, erotic film yes I would too. I definitely think that, that you have to see it just because its name is out there so so often and uh, you hear about it. Definitely it is worth it is worth a watch, but a watch and it be might warm. have been it might have been at one time one that I would have said like winky winky. This might be one that you might want to watch with the old lady that you know that she might not be scared off by. And that I think that advice wore off around 1989, 1990, to where <laughs> you could say that nowadays, if 
Like, you take the old lady to see this, she's just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. You think I want to come and see a Thai gangbang? I mean, really, no, no, no. You know, you're coming out of the movie theater and it's like, hey, you want to go get some opium? And she's just like, no, I think I want a divorce. Actually. Or maybe some Pad Thai, would that be okay? <laughs> <laughs> just not tacos, that's all. Oh, no street tacos God. or cigarettes. <laughs> that, that definitely was a, was a uh, should have been propaganda to get people to stop smoking. That was a big deal back in that days, but post Bill Clinton, it's uh, lost a lot of its uh, shock value. <laughs> yeah, you know that's nothing. Why don't you tobacco yeah. and better get some uh, some skull in there, and then we'll really be impressed. Cigarettes and yes, yes, if you could chew that skull and spit it into the spittoon. I don't now know. Now you could shock somebody. <laughs> like I said, there are very nimble people to ties. <laughs> well, I, I guess we've covered all the road we can cover on Emmanuel. I'm sure we'll be back um, Unless there's some... some... I wouldn't mind some covering other... some more of our softcore movies, of famous softcore movies in the future. I've never seen Showgirls, so it might be a good chance for me to see Showgirls. Yeah, I've never seen it either. I, I've never my... seen Fifty Shades of Grey either. That might be a lot of well, fun. Yeah, I, I think definitely Fifty Shades of Grey would be one. So we'll we'll uh, we'll definitely explore softcore porn in the future. I don't see why not. And um, let's uh, should should we should we go ahead and uh, tell them what we're going to be doing uh, next month? Or you know, I'm this? sort of really liking being kinky and not telling them. And I've been, yeah, like, sure. not even putting text on the, the artwork form of what's going on in each in each episode and letting them figure it out, getting a fresh you're little no, surprise. No, you're nothing but pod, you're a podcast tease. That's what you are. Yeah, that's right. That's... So, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's keep you Let's keep you with your proverbial junk in your hand waiting for the next episode. It's of the foreplay it, part it, of the, the whole thing. <laughs> It's You're the gonna mystery. have to have for a month. We're like your Ma- we're like your Mario, like initiating you into the mystery of podcast and, and decadence of podcasting. We will not show you this podcast until you have reached the next dimensional plane reality. And correctly, this podcast is worthless without a third person, and that's you, the listener. Yeah, absolutely. So please, you know, come back. See us. You know where to find us. Uh, write us a nice review. If you like the show, tell us what you like. If you don't like it, tell us what you don't like either on Amazon. Uh, we're definitely going to have to have a letter reading session soon as soon as we get some uh, uh, feedback. And we have a Facebook page that we'll be posting uh, all kinds of fun stuff on. And you're welcome to post with ideas. As long please. as it's not anything that will get us kicked off Facebook, yeah. please. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 uh, no smoking cigarettes out of any orifice other than your mouth, please. Your nose or ears, okay, but anything below the equator, please don't do it. <laughs> we want to, we want to keep the page. All right, we'll be back next week, and remember, trust us, unless we're trying to get you to come to an opium den with us. Yeah, or or get rapey, okay? So <laughs> enjoy. We'll see you in this month. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Oh, the fucking rape scenes. Breakfast black coffee, one slice of dry toast. No butter, no jelly, no jam. Lunch, just some lettuce, two celery stalks. No booze, no potatoes, no ham. 
Dinner, one chicken wing, brawl, not fried. No gravy, no biscuits, no pie. And his diet and diet and diet and diet and show is a rough way to die. So pass me a carrot stick, peel me a prune. A glass of skim milk and that's all. Turn off the TV, that Big Mac commercial. It's driving me right up the wall. And I'm thinking of french fries, sausage and waffles, spaghetti and cookies and cake. Night I'm dreaming of chocolate ice cream and I'm starving to death when I wake. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, Two True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. You look down at me and you grin. You say, well, the boy tried and he suffered and died. But don't he look good when he's thin? Oh, my. And this is your Uncle Don saying good night. Good night, little kids. Good night. We're off? Good. Well, that ought to hold the little bastards.